Jason Scorse, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing okay and uh, had a good Labor Day weekend. Uh, pretty hot out here in California and a lot of fire, so uh, kind of a wild time. And uh, kind of goes with the darker descent into fascism that we're witnessing on the Republican side in these last couple weeks, and hence the title, It Is Happening Here. So let's review what has transpired, and I'll tell you why I think this portends potentially much greater violence and chaos in the weeks and months ahead, and potentially years if Trump and the fascist GOP steal the election, which I'll be talking about in coming weeks. So first off, uh, Jacob Blake was shot in the back by cops seven times in front of his kids in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Some on the right immediately jumped to the defense that Blake should have fully complied with the police, which he didn't. In fairness, Blake did not fully comply with the police um, and that that's the reason he got shot. Now, again, it's a wild thing in America that if you don't immediately comply with the police, you're basically assumed that it's okay that you get a death sentence. So you don't listen to exactly what the police says at any moment, and they can just execute you on the spot. And that's what we do in a democratic society. Let me just say that I have been in situations where I have not immediately complied with the police. One time I had headphones on, it was dark, and the police was speaking to me, and I didn't know what they were saying. And I actually, in retrospect, I thought about how crazy it was, but I reached into my pocket to turn the, you know, my, uh, my phone down so I could hear him. And I thought at that moment, wow, if he had thought I was reaching for a gun or something, right? But I didn't get shot seven times at that moment. Um, and, you know, and everything was fine. I listened to him and said, oh, sorry, you know, and, and, and moved on, right? I also want to say that these... These episodes are very difficult to assess. So we see a video of you know, this guy kind of walking away from cops and then he, go, he opens his car door and they shoot him seven times. Let's be clear here just to give the, the cops some benefit of the doubt for a moment. You know, they don't know what he's reaching for, if he's reaching for a gun or something or a knife or anything. Um, and it's a, t- it's a tense situation, right? Because, you know, cops have been killed and badly injured in these type of situations. That being said, the training was obviously so poor, right? You had three cops there who couldn't restrain this guy that let him get around, you know, to open his car door. And also, you know, the training that we live in a society that you have to shoot someone seven times to subdue them. Right now, again, supposedly they used a taser on him and it didn't work. So look, again, I don't want to assume that these cops are all racist and all, you know, wanting to kill this guy. But this is the society we live in, right? Where we have poorly trained cops, we have a super highly armed citizenry, we have systemic racism, and lots of bad things keep happening, right? So I just want to say I don't think it was justified to shoot him seven times in the back, but I also want to say that it was, you know, it's a tough situation to assess. I don't watch these snuff videos. I don't like watching people being shot. It's not, you know, that that's not something I do. 
right? But let's just note first that the right, you know, immediately jumped to the defense of the cops, right? So they didn't have a more nuanced view. It's just, oh, he should he should comply. If you don't comply, sorry, you might get executed, right? And that's just an insanity that that one political party thinks if not 100% obedience to the police means that you can be executed on the spot, right? That's essentially what they're saying. So from there, protests began, some of which included a lot of looting and damage to property. So then enter the right-wing militia groups. And then this 17-year-old nuthouse, written, you know, written house, who ends up shooting three people with an AR-15 and killing two, and then walking right past the cops on his way home. So he was eventually apprehended and arrested, and he's going to be tried for first-degree murder. Uh, but, you know, he literally just walked away because, hey, a 17-year-old kid with an AR-15, you know, not a big deal. They didn't assume he was, quote, the bad guy supposedly, and I think there's evidence of this, they were actually, the cops were thanking him and his friends who were in these militia groups for coming out and giving them bottles of water. So just again, think about that. We live in a society where police think it's okay and actually encourage teenage kids to come out with automatic weapons on the streets to kind of some vigilante justice. I mean, if this isn't a view of dystopia, I don't know what is. Now, of course, you know, get ready here. Turns out that months before, Rittenhouse was in the front row of a Trump rally. Shocker, I know. And that his Facebook was covered with all sorts of Blue Lives Matter propaganda. So now again, let's put aside the fact that it's considered acceptable in our society for teenagers to roam the street with assault weapons. Um, but the president has been inciting violence at his rallies for years. And in fact, just the week before this shooting... At the Republican National Convention, they were celebrating the St. Louis couple who had waved, guess what, the same AR-15 and a handgun at protesters. So you had literally the week before the RNC celebrating this type of kind of vigilanteism. Now, I'm going to be clear here. Obviously, these murders were not carried out on the orders of the president or anyone in the GOP. But you have to be blind not to see how both entities are creating an enabling environment, to put it mildly, for this type of right-wing violence. And sadly, this isn't the first time this has happened over the last three-plus years since Trump has become president. But something else happened right after that that I think makes this different. So this is where I think it gets darker. So within hours of the teenager's arrest, noted white supremacist on fake Fox News, Tucker Carlson, who has, you know, the highest watch show in the in this fake news universe. Now, let's be clear here, though. It's still just millions of people. You know, cable news is just not the dominant force that people think it is. You know, we're a country of 330 million, so whatever. A few million, 5 million, 10 million. It's still a very small percentage of the people. But anyway, you know, it's the biggest of, on that network. Now, he said, basically, it was understandable why this kid became a vigilante and killed innocent people. He basically came to Rittenhouse's defense. He didn't say, you know, it was 100% okay for him to kill these people, but he basically took a very sympathetic position. No words of remorse, no calls for militias to step down, no calls for peace, but basically just a straight-out justification for vigilante violence. And again, this was within a day, maybe even less than when these shootings happened. So he didn't even wait to get the facts. He's just, again, throwing gasoline onto the fire. And now Rittenhouse, shocker, has become a hero on the right. There's a big legal defense fund. He has a Trump lawyer. 
And this is what evil looks like, right? The GOP is a death cult. And most of the conservative movement is in lockstep rooting for death and mayhem. In fact, Kellyanne Conway, the, you know, the, the, the evil just, you know, I don't even know what to call her, but this, the, the kind of evil propagandist who's been one of Trump's chief advisors came out and basically said it. Violence and chaos is good for Trump. And you go, wow, what an incentive structure we have here where the, the president believes that violence and chaos is good for him. So I wonder, does he want more of it or does he want less of it? Now, it, gets, it, it continues. The same night um, that VP Pence um, was, gave his speech at the RNC, he put a lie there about the Boogaloo murderer in California who killed two cops. Now, this one has particular resonance with me because this guy killed a cop that works in my area. And this guy was the neighbor of one of my good friends. I've mentioned this before on a podcast. So there's literally this obscure mountain community in the Santa Cruz Mountains, the dirt roads, was literally where this kid who killed two cops lived. He was a boogaloo right-wing terrorist. He wrote boog in his own blood on the car when they before they apprehended him. And yet, Mike Pence said... The, that, oh, the cop who got killed by the rioters up in California, okay, false, right? This guy was not a rioter. He wasn't part of the looting and the, the Black Lives Matter protest. He went up to Oakland before the killing in Santa Cruz to specifically kill police officers. He then killed this guy um, near me in, in, in more of the Santa Cruz area. And then when they went to his house after they arrested him, they found dozens of pipe bombs. The FBI was in, they shut down this little mountain community for like a week because there were so many pipe bombs that they had, they had, you know, all these explosive experts in there. And clearly from what they understand, he was planning some mass murder of police. Now, Ted Cruz, a couple weeks ago, literally said this guy was Antifa. So the opposite of the truth. This guy is literally wrote boog in his own blood. He's a right-wing boogaloo terrorist. And and Ted Cruz says he's Antifa. Mike Pence didn't go quite that far, but he said he was a rioter. And again, to associate him with kind of the left. So what is the the right-wing doing here? Their people, for the most part, are the murderers. We're going to get into the the left-wing guy who killed the guy in Portland in just a moment. Um, But... Most of the violence is committed by the right wing and the highest levels, Ted Cruz, Senator, the VP, are blaming it on the left and just lying straight through their teeth. Now, what is the GOP's message in the midst of all this chaos and death and destruction? Elect us or things are going to get out of hand with a wink, wink, nod, nod to right wing militias and armed right wing citizens. So where are we at right now? Here we are in the beginning of September. We have almost the entire GOP apparatus and conservative movement stoking these flames, lying about the true perpetrators of these crimes, justifying continued violence against those protesting police brutality. This is fascism. This is textbook fascism. The GOP has been playing with fire for a very long time, and now those forces are becoming increasingly violent. In the event that Agent Orange calls on them to act against Democrats in the aftermath of the election, there is a huge propensity for violence. And very few people are really pointing out how dangerous this is. And so that's what I feel I need to do in this episode. But it gets a lot worse. Um, So more after the break. (laughs) 
Okay, so the first point I want to mention here is remember, there is no bottom to the GOP, right? Before I get into how things have gotten even worse in the aftermath of this, you know, Kenosha, Wisconsin events, it's good to revisit this notion, right, that there is no bottom to the GOP and, and Trump. For years, the media and pundits have acted shocked every time Trump does another crazy thing. But the point of fascists and right-wing extremist is to keep going lower and lower step by step until their base and even the larger society is normalized into these levels of depravity, conspiracy, and evil. Again, this is textbook fascism. This is what every fascist movement in pretty much world history has done. So remember, a few years ago we went from Obama is a Kenyan Muslim socialist and then it was Hillary runs a child sex ring out of a pizza parlor. And now it's QAnon, right? And again, step by step, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier until you have tens of millions of people so disconnected from reality that they're just not even in the normal, you know, mainstream society anymore. And then you can just get them to do anything. This is how mass murder happens. This is how mass social dislocation and social collapse happens. It's step by step, right? Let me tell you, I've been doing get out the vote efforts for Biden. I've been making calls and doing these text messages campaigns in Florida. And the stuff many of the Trump people respond is just batshit crazy. I mean, these people are fucking out of their goddamn minds, right? The stuff they say just defies belief. Joe Biden's a pedophile. He's a communist. The Democrats are murdering innocent people. If the Democrats get you know, elected, they're going to burn all the cities down. I mean, again, once you go down this path, you can get people to believe anything because there is no bottom. The goal is to keep sinking lower and lower and take all of society down with them, right? So it's all just chaos and madness and they're running away to the bank. And they've been amazingly effective at that, right? The rich are getting richer during the pandemic. You know, they're, they're, the corruption uh, in the Trump administration is accelerating. He's pardoning criminals. He's doling out billions to big farmers, right? It's like, just let everyone else fight for the crumbs while we run to the bank. It's the oldest playbook, you know, in existence. And yet it's just being, you know, it's happening before our very eyes. And again, the media has played along just normalizing this zombie apocalypse, right? Like I just keep saying, if we lived in a halfway sane society, like every major paper would have been calling on Trump to resign months ago. And every headline would be, we can, you know, day 62, we call on the president to resign. He is unfit for office and destroying our democracy, right? Like, but yet the New York Times just another week or two ago did the puff piece on him and an interview where he just spews more lies and it's like this is what we do we just kind of keep normalizing it 
Right, so now let's talk about the next level of the gutter that Trump went to, you know, after the Kenosha. So this is what happened in Portland, you know. Um, first of all, I want to say a lot of crazy stuff is going on in Portland. And a lot of people on the left, not necessarily Biden supporters, by the way, but leftists, who are involved in, in looting and mayhem. And this is, this is horrible. I do not condone this. Right? No one should be spending weeks or you know days, anything, hours, minutes destroying property and looting. You know, it's, you know, and there's definitely people taking advantage of this lawlessness and this chaos. But I want to be clear here. I don't confuse this with the peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters. These are different camps. It's not like the Black Lives Matter people are looting and destroying things. There might be a lone you know individual here or there, but the movements themselves are very different. Now, at this moment. You know, when, you know, just after the Kenosha, a bunch of right-wing terrorists from out of state descended on Portland in huge monster trucks with Trump signs and paintball guns to harass protesters. And, um, and you know, again, someone pointed out these kind of huge convoys of trucks with Trump flags looked awful, off, awfully close to ISIS groups in their trucks with their flags. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that they, they look quite similar. Um, and, you know, during this, when they came down, they were driving their trucks into groups of protesters. They were shooting them with paintballs. And then one of the leftist protesters shot and killed one of these right-wingers. So obviously that was horrible. And I'm not defending that, right? Unlike the right-wing, I'm not defending murder, right? If it turns out that this was in complete self-defense and this guy was under attack, then let a jury decide that. If this guy was just a nut job and, you know, he saw these right wingers and decided to shoot them, let the jury decide that and lock him up, right? Like, let justice prevail. I'm definitely not coming to the defense of this person who, by the way, was then just recently murdered um, by police, I mean, and then trying to apprehend him. So there is going to be no jury. He's already dead. However, the really scary part is when asked by reporters, um, when Trump was asked by reporters about these hordes you know, of, of his right-wing militias, you know, descending on Portland, he said they were peaceful and that paintballs are defensive weapons. So just let this sink in. Imagine if black men in trucks with kind of, you know, anarchist flags and paintball guns had roamed into a, a mostly white city and were harassing people and driving trucks into them and shooting them with paintballs. Would anyone in their right mind have said these are peaceful groups? I mean, it's just black is white, up is down, fucking insanity, right? We know if black groups had done this, I mean, they would have been called thugs and, you know, and they would have been, you know, there would have been calls to arrest and kill them, right? So now everything is being escalated and finally someone on the left did kill someone on the right. Biden did a great speech just that, that week condemning the violence and calling out Trump for pulling, you know, pouring gas on the, on the flames. But all Trump does is just grin and basically laugh and wink, wink, nod, nod. So the question we have to ask ourselves is where is this going? All right. We have this election coming up in, you know, eight weeks and it is really looking pretty dark. So um, after the break, I'll talk about where I think, you know, this is heading. You don't devil me, I don't care about that. You got a new fool, ha, I like to laugh at. I have only one burning desire. Let me stand next to 
Okay, so the reason I know where this is heading is because I read history. And there's only one direction this stuff goes, right? The GOP's behavior is beyond reprehensible. It should be condemned in the strongest possible terms. Again, I know history. I know where this is heading. Anyone who reads about, you know, the rise of fascism in Europe or the rise of fascist movements in other parts of the world knows where this is going. Fascists never get enlightened and voluntary, voluntarily de-escalate situations. They never go, oh, you know what? Maybe this is going a little too far. I should tone it down, right? America is not exceptional, right? We're no different than everybody. We are not impervious to these type of movements. In fact, Whereas other countries have crazy people that are, you know, 10 to 20% of the population, here it's closer to 40%, which is particularly dangerous, especially in a society where 40, low 40s can get majority power. So we, we're, we have two handicaps in America. The number of crazy people is much greater than other parts of the world, and they're allowed to get majority power, right? The 10 to 20% of really crazy people in France or in, in the UK, or in, you know, um, you know, South Korea, they're not allowed to get the reins of power and really do huge amounts of damage to society. But in America, the GOP is a death cult, right? And they have, you know, right now, 42% of Americans support Trump. That's almost one out of two. That's almost half of our society, right? This is a combustible mix, right? And they're actively rooting for chaos, right? So that they can play law and order on TV. Now, let's just take a moment to muse on how the most lawless administration in U.S. history wants to claim law and order as its mantle, right? We know what this means. It means no rules for us. We can do whatever the fuck we want, be as corrupt as we want, and then impose brutal violence on you who oppose us. That's what their law and order means. And again, the GOP base basically knows this, right? Because again, we have the most corrupt administration in U.S. history claiming law and order. It's a joke. The, the Republican National Committee's convention, right? It was literally violations of election law left and right while they're talking about law and order. I mean, it's again, it's insane. And again, it's fascism. It is happening in America now. In addition, there's a new article in The Guardian that so shows how white supremacists have infiltrated U U.S. police departments across the country. So again, I think most cops in America are hardworking, decent people, but it doesn't take a lot of them who are bad apples to really create a lot of chaos. And if you actually have white supremacists, you know, making their way into police departments, uh, that's a pretty scary thing. We also absolutely know that Trump will incite violence both to prevent people from voting and to invalidate unfavorable election results. Currently, he is parodying Russian disinformation. So the intelligence services that are looking at what the misinformation Russia is sowing in the election is almost identical to what Trump is saying, basically trying to invalidate 
mail-in ballots and all the app stuff about how it's all fraud, etc. Now Trump is calling on people to commit voter fraud. I don't know if you caught this over the last week. He is literally telling his supporters to commit federal crimes, felony crimes. He's telling them to vote twice, right? He's saying, oh, send in your mail-in ballot and then go and vote in person just to see if they're going to catch you, to see if they actually, you know, have the system working. He's literally calling on people to commit federal crimes. The president of the United States, the law and order guy, right? In addition, there's a, there was a, uh, a court case that was settled in 1980 that prevented the GOP from sending its kind of poll observers in, in, in mass to kind of intimidate voters. That decree is now, uh, has now expired. And so this election in 2020, there's a huge fears that the GOP is going to you know, send all these groups of thugs to these polling places to intimidate Democratic voters. And you know how they're going to figure out who's Democratic, right? They're going to look for black and brown people and young people and try to scare them. Now, again, how much of this stuff is actually going to play out on November 3rd and the lead up to November 3rd? Uh, we'll have to see. But again, based on their current actions, we have to assume the worst because there is no bottom. So like I said at the end of 2019, buckle up. It is only going to get worse and we must be prepared. So after the uh, break, I'll talk about the antidote. Too much wagonist, too much antagonist. Wolves and leopards are trying to kill the sheep and the shepherd. Yes, wolves and leopards are trying to kill the sheep and the shepherd. Yeah. Okay, so for the antidote today, it's going to be the same every episode until the election put something extra into getting joe biden elected whether it's money or time volunteer to be a poll worker if you're in a swing state particularly we have to crush the gop the only hope for america is destroying the republican party and having a huge wave election so they can't steal it because they are going to try to steal it and so that we can enact some pretty big reforms afterward to make it very hard for this fascist movement to ever get its legs again and threaten American democracy, right? So we have to win big. I wish we didn't have to win big. Joe Biden should be able to win by one vote and he still be declared the winner. But we know it's not going to play out like that. We have to win crushing, crushing victory. And the only way that's going to happen is if people put in a little extra. And again, I'm not just talking. I'm walking the walk. I'm volunteering every week for get out the vote efforts. I've raised thousands of dollars for voter protection groups. So look, there's dozens of groups. I've mentioned some on previous podcasts. You can do swing left. You can just go to the Biden campaign. Um, there's all kinds of cool. Um, uh, I think the blue future is for youth groups. There's a couple groups, Google around, where you can get postcards to send to uh, help register new voters in swing states. There's just all kinds of stuff, and you can do whatever you want. If you don't like talking to people on the phone, do the text banking. 
If you don't want to, you know, sit at a computer, then write postcards. You know, find whatever it is and do it. Do not sit on the sidelines just shaking your head at how crazy things are. That's not sufficient. You have to be part of the blue wave to crush the GOP. So with that, everybody, I hope you uh, have a good rest of the week. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And with that, I hope you uh, are doing well. Take care.